Just so you know, a minister on a bar stool opens himself up to some wild stories. <laughs> After that inevitable first question, so what do you do, comes either a hasty retreat to some other part of the bar, or more likely, a long monologue about the nature of church and all its faults. People, especially when they have a drink or two in them, seem compelled to tell ministers just what is wrong with religion and why they avoid it. Conversation usually goes something like this. So, you're a minister. Wow. Like, like you're really a minister? <laughs> Because I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore. My parents used to make me and my brothers go to this Lutheran church, and boy, was that boring. We kids just finally protested so much that they stopped taking us to Sunday school, but we had to go on Christmas and Easter anyway. Then after I was married, my wife and I went to her Catholic church for a while, but mostly because it was the priest who said that we had to go. And that got old, too. For years, we just stayed home on Sunday morning. Maybe if we'd gone to church more often, we'd still be married. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> After my divorce, I tried going to a Methodist church occasionally, but I wasn't getting my needs met there. So now I do just whatever I want to on Sunday morning. Sometimes I go for a run or have breakfast out with friends. I read the Boston Globe or watch some television. Sunday is really just like a second Saturday after all. It's my day off and I do with it what I want to. Yeah, I'd say that I was a real spiritual person. I just don't need all the baggage that comes with a church. I like to find my inspiration in nature and stuff like that. You say you're a minister? Wow, dude, that must be really weird. <laughs> One of the most confusing things people say to me is, I'm spiritual but not religious. Anybody heard that before from anybody? I'm spiritual but not religious that they feel the need to say this to a minister as if it was some sort of inoculation against me, kind of like garlic against vampires, <laughs> makes it doubly amusing. To me, saying I'm spiritual but not religious sounds the same as saying I made up my own religion, but I don't want to let anybody else share it with me. Thank you very much. Sounds the same as, I've got my beliefs, but I'd rather not talk to you about them. These folks make me want to wear a button that declares me religious but not spiritual. Because <laughs> that's how I feel most of the time. To me, the true value of religion is in its practice, not in the particulars of its theology. It doesn't matter to me if you are Catholic or Hindu or Muslim or an atheist, just as long as you are a good Catholic or a good Hindu or a good Muslim or a good atheist. And this goes for Unitarian Universalists, too. We are no exception. 
I really do not care what you believe, as long as you are a good you-you, as long as you practice your beliefs. In response to her own interactions with the spiritual but not religious crowd, Reverend Lillian Daniel, who's the pastor at the First Congregational Church in Glen Ellen, Illinois, writes, Of course, the well-meaning Sunday jogger fits right into mainstream American culture. She is perhaps by now part of the majority. The people who have stepped away from the church in favor of running, newspaper reading, yoga, or whatever they use to construct a more convenient religion of their own. I was not shocked or upset by the jogger's story, she says. I'd heard it many times before, so many times that I could have supplied the details. Let me guess. You read the New York Times every Sunday, cover to cover, and you get more out of that than the sermon. Let me guess. You find God in nature, especially in sunsets. (laughs) She goes on, as if the people who attend church had never encountered all those psalms that praise God for the beauty of natural creation and as if we never left the church building ourselves. God in nature? Really? (laughs) The theme can be found throughout the Bible. When you push on this self-developed spirituality, she says, you don't find much. God is in the sunset. Great. I find God there, too. How about seeing God in cancer? Cancer is nature. Do you worship that, too? The point that the Sunday jogger and my friend on the bar stool are missing is that individual spirituality is of little help when faced with the hardships of life. No amount of Sundays off will create a supportive community for you when you need it. Your own particular beliefs are going to mean very little in the face of cancer or divorce or job loss or the death of a parent or a child. You will need other people. And you will need the force of their collective faith to repel the despair that will pursue you. And despair will pursue each and every one of us at some time in our lives. It is simply a matter of time. I know that there are people in this congregation who were once faithful attendees, but who now rarely come to church. Yes, there are people who have moved away or who have found other churches, but I'm talking about the members of First Parish who live locally and were once active, who once easily made friends here, who brought their children to church, who, for whatever reason, now choose to do something else on Sunday morning. I imagine that some of these people hold no hard feelings against the church, They've just chosen to do something else on Sunday morning. And I imagine that there are some who are quite resentful of the congregation and the changes that it has made 
in the last few years. I know that there are some disaffected members who blame ministers for these changes and stay away to spite the church somehow. Whatever the case is, I feel badly that any First Parish member should choose his or her own secular activities on a Sunday morning rather than coming and being with all of us. I learned recently that one family is taking a break from church for a while. They may or may not be back. This family is a classic case of having raised two children in the church's religious education program, and now that these children are off to college, the parents are taking a break from church. This, of course, leads me to gently ask, what were you coming to church for in the first place? I don't want to make the assumption that church is for everyone. It isn't. But for you and me, at least this morning, it is what feeds us and grounds us. It is one of the places where we can find inspiration and friendship and purpose. Church helps us live our lives much better than we would live them on our own. So what might we do together, you and me, congregation and minister, that would allow more people to find what we have found and to make a commitment to it? What might we do to make more people religious? I think the only thing that will change people's hearts and minds is to show them what it means to be faithful. Cliché as it is, actions do speak louder than words. Faithfulness is one of the great human virtues. To be faithful means that you will stick with someone or with something without putting your own wants and desires first. It means that you will do what you say you will do. And faithfulness takes time. Faithfulness is always tested. And faithfulness turns into trust. And trust turns into love. The Boston Globe might be faithfully delivered to your door each Sunday morning. It might even be a trustworthy source of information, but the Boston Globe will never love you. (laughs) It will never see you through a tragedy. It will never rejoice at your good fortune. Only personal relationships can do that. Church attendance is tangible. Showing up has a feeling to it. You are not here this morning by accident. And when you think about it, what could be easier than coming to church? Most Sunday, nothing is required of you but to show up at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. The building is open and warm. The choir has rehearsed and is happy to sing or ring this morning. Well-prepared teachers await your children in the classrooms. Someone has made coffee for you to enjoy after the service. I've spent some hours during the week thinking about what will touch your heart and inspire you. And most of all, other people showed up for church too. Wow. They showed up ready to give you a smile, a listening ear, or a warm hug. 
What could be more easy than coming to church? And what could be more uplifting? Because at the end of the day, worship is not about what I have to say. It's not about how you're feeling on any given Sunday morning. It's not about how well or how poorly the message was delivered. Worship is about you being with other people in the presence of a holiness that transcends us all. Worship is about you showing up to yourself and then being willing to show up for others. Worship is about forgiveness and connection. It is about reverence and renewal. A colleague of mine tells a story of a woman in her mid-30s who started attending her church. The woman brought her two young children with her each Sunday, and they very much enjoyed the church's religious education program. The woman herself was always cheerful, though she was a little shy each Sunday when she arrived at the church. She would sit near the back of the church, a bit removed from the other people. My colleague noticed that week after week, this young mother would make it through most of the worship service just fine. But at some point, she would start to cry quietly and would do so for the rest of the service. Then she would quickly leave the sanctuary, pick up her children, and head for her car. This happened week after week. It didn't matter what the topic of the service was, it always produced tears for this woman. Finally, my colleague found an opportunity to speak privately with the woman before a service. The minister asked her if everything was all right. The woman assured her that she was fine. Then the minister gently observed that she'd seen the woman crying week after week during the service. Oh, yes, sorry about that, the woman replied. I can't but help cry in church. She went on to say that her life was so full with being a single working mother that a whole week could go by without her having any time to herself. She explained that in church she felt truly seen and truly loved by God and by the people around her. Church was an hour each week that she did not have to be brave and competent and responsible. And that realization brought up tears for her every week. The tears, she explained, were tears of joy and thanksgiving and hope. It was such a privilege for her to sit among the congregation, knowing that her children were well cared for and that nothing was being asked of her she simply became overwhelmed by the grace of it all, and that produced the tears. My ministerial colleague simply gave the woman a quick hug and assured her that she was in the right place. She smiled and told her that she could cry as much as she needed to in church. After all, that's what church is here for. So be it. Amen.